Our sermon this morning is based on the first chapter of Acts, verses 1 through 11. Luke writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up in the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Man of Galilee, they said... Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is God's word. So, if the angels hadn't shown up, how long do you think the disciples would have stuck around? As they're just staring up. Looking, looking, not really sure where to go from here. You can imagine they're staring up, not really wanting to move their eyes back down because they realize that once they move their eyes back down, they, they're not going to see Jesus with them. And so they keep, they keep staring off into space because they, well, it feels like something ended. It feels like this is the, the end, and, and they're left with one, one crushing question on their mind. Now what? Where do we go from here? What is, what is the next step that we're supposed to take? Because the, the ascension, it sort of feels like the end of the story, doesn't it? It feels like Christ had done all of these marvelous, incredible things over these three years of his ministry. And then, and then he culminates it all by, raising him, by being raised from the dead by the Father. And now he heads off to go sit at the right hand of God the Father on high. And the disciples look around and they go, well, that's it. There's nothing left. You can imagine there's a lot of complex emotions and they're, and they're really disappointed. And so maybe that's why they stare up into the sky because they think that this is the end. But the, the angels tell them that's wrong. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you on behalf of the angels as a different type of messenger from God, that's wrong. No, brothers and sisters, this is not the end. In fact... An Ascension Day service is really a beginning. 
In fact, uh, in fact, a lot of other churches will have a, its own service for Ascension Day on the 40th day after, after Easter, which would have been this last Thursday, because it's such an important moment. Yes, Jesus has finished his work of walking around here on earth and, and, and doing all sorts of miracles and, and acts to, to show his people that he is who he says he is. But let me say this to you today. The Ascension Day of Jesus is the beginning of something really, really cool. And so for our, the beginning of our sermon for this morning, I want to take a look at four things that the Ascension Day means for us. Four things that show us that Jesus is not done working. He hasn't sat down in his lazy boy recliner and put his feet up as he just watches us struggle here on earth. No, Ascension Day shows us that Jesus does not stop working, did not stop working, and will not stop working. So first, first, I want us to see how the verses show us the tremendous importance of Jesus' 40 days here on earth between his resurrection and ascension. These people had watched Jesus die, and then they watch him rise, and Jesus is now appearing before them to give them many convincing proofs. That's, that's how Acts talks about it. The many convincing proofs. No, Jesus could have just went to heaven and said, I've, I've left you with enough. You, you know all you need to know. But instead, he appears before the disciples, before his followers, and says, no, I want to give you so many convincing proofs that no matter what type of charges are thrown at you, no matter what type of mockery comes your way, no matter how disappointed you get, with your life in this world. No matter what comes at my followers, I want them to have the convincing proofs so that they can shamelessly bear witness to what they have seen. And it's that confidence that he instills in them that then trickles down the generations as he uses his apostles to write down the words that we have in our scriptures today. We have that same confidence. So that no matter how life is going, whether the Christian walk is very, very easy or whether it's very difficult, we have that same ability to be shameless witnesses saying, I don't care what accusation you hurl. I don't care what judgment you have for me. My Savior lives. And if my Savior lives, then, then nothing you can throw at me matters. Yes, he did that over 40 days because he was thinking about you that you wouldn't be left without proof. Instead, you would have all the proof you would need to stand up and stand firm for the faith. There's a second reason why, why the ascension is so important, and it's so that Jesus can show us that he is going to work all things for the church. You can imagine the disciples sort of look around at each other, and they had had one leader their entire time, that three-year ministry that Jesus had, Jesus was obviously the leader. He was the one that they brought their issues to, their problems to. And now they drop their eyes from the sky and they look around and they go, uh-oh. Are we a rudderless ship now? Are we going to go off the rails at the first sign of trouble? Who do we have leading this, this new movement known as Christianity? 
And we could see how, how maybe the church looks rudderless over, over the course of time as we see churches come together and churches split apart and, and, and heresies rise up in churches and, and churches just completely fall apart in some cases. There's a chance that maybe we look around this world now and go, is the Christian church rudderless? Is there nobody that is captaining the ship? Jesus wanted to make sure that, that the disciples, and yes, we know, that there is still a captain of the ship. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, you are not left without a leader. My Holy Spirit shall be your leader. And it's in that promise that wherever the word of God is preached in the sacraments of, of the Lord's Supper and holy baptism are administered, there is Christ leading his church, speaking to her in such a calm and gentle but yet commanding way, saying, no matter what you think about the church, I'm still at the head of it. And I'm at the head of it, ruling it all for you. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we look at Pentecost next week. There's a third thing that ascension means for us. It means that we've been called to do something. The disciples, again, they had their eyes up in the sky and they looked down and maybe they go, okay, done. Ministry over. Now we just wait for Jesus to come back. It's fine. We don't have to do anything. But Jesus says, that is, that is not what my followers do. No, I have something far better than been sitting around and waiting for me to come back in mind for you. So he commissions them. And he says that we will be his witnesses. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's not done working. Even though in those moments when you are bearing witness to your faith and, and you are trying to, trying to show your faith to somebody else and it kind of feels like you're all alone on an island, brothers and sisters, right here, Jesus promises you that that is not the case. That he sends his Holy Spirit to be with you so that you can be that witness in, in your circle of families, in your church, in your job, in your community. And he says, I know that work is not always easy and it's not always fun. But he sends his Holy Spirit so that you know that you do not labor in vain, nor do you labor by yourselves. He labors through you. And finally, there is a fourth thing to learn from the ascension, and that is that Jesus is going to come back again. The disciples could have gotten all distraught and, and, and they could have thought that, that this was it. They were never going to see their Savior again. And then when all of a sudden the persecution came on, on all 12 of them, uh, they, they were going to, to lose their faith. They could have thought that if Jesus is gone, how am I possibly, possibly going to stay on, on the uh, rodeo bull that feels like Christian living? And Jesus says, no. It's not an eternal struggle that I have in mind for you. It's a temporary one. Because someday, I'm going to call an end to all of it. 
I'm going to tell my church that is struggling day after day, week after week, year after year. I'm going to tell my church it's done. The battle is over. And I'm going to call them home to me. Jesus promises that the same way that, that they saw him go, he was going to come back with that same loving expression on his face and look his church in the eye and say, you are mine and now, now nobody's ever going to get in between us. Yes, brothers and sisters, Ascension Day means that the work is just getting started. And no, it's not like Jesus is taking all of the work and throwing it on your shoulders and saying good luck. He says, while you go to work, I am going to work all the more through you. I am going to be the, the wind at your back. I am going to be the thing that gets you out of bed so that you can serve me day after day after day. No, the work's not over. It's just beginning. Which is all the more reason why we don't necessarily want to be like the disciples with our, with our eyes caught up in the sky. Just looking, hoping that maybe we can catch one last glance of Jesus' sandal as he, as he heads behind the clouds. You can imagine that maybe they were just stuck. Not because they didn't want to be not because they don't want to be evangelists. Not because, they, not because they didn't love the gospel. But they knew it was waiting for them. A world of opposition. Entire cities that they would walk into trying to proclaim the love of Jesus for them that would take, pick them up and throw them out. Yeah, maybe their eyes are, are up in the sky, not, not because they... They mistrust the, the promises of God, but instead they just, they just don't want to look around this, this disappointing disaster of a world that they see around them. Do we get stuck too? With our eyes up in the sky, and we just say, Lord Jesus, come back, because I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. You get all fired up for the gospel. And you think that maybe it's the gospel message that has the ability to transform the world and that maybe someday, maybe someday we're going to live in a better place. And then you wake up and boom, there's another mass shooting. Oh, and a few days later, more dead in Chicago. You wake up in the morning and you turn on the news and, and you see that everything that, that God says is, is, being, is being thrown to the side when it comes to to marriage and, and society and even decency? How do we not join with the disciples when, when as they have their eyes on the world around them, they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, are you just going to call an end to it? How do we not flip on the news? How do we not open a newspaper and say, Lord, are you just going to call an end to it? Can this please be over? Can the suffering of others, and yes, sometimes my suffering, could you please just call an end to it? We're stuck. We're stuck in those moments of not, not really seeing the big picture and instead just seeing what's around us and wanting nothing to do with it. 
and those moments when maybe we would take the gospel out of our back pockets and present it to somebody because we, we start to distrust the promises of God and we don't know that he is our strength and our shield, we just take that gospel promise and we, we slide it back into our back pocket. Brothers and sisters, he never said it was going to be easy. And it's sometimes in that lack of ease that our, our sinful nature just says, you know what? It's not worth it then. It's not worth it to care about a world that doesn't care about my Lord and certainly doesn't care about me. And then Jesus says, but you will be my witnesses. Oh, brothers and sisters, there's far too much work to do. Because today you have something that so much of the rest of the world doesn't. And I'm not talking about your good works or your external righteousness. I am talking about a peace that no one in this world outside of those who know the grace of God could possibly understand. You have something in your life that Jesus has showered upon you that makes you different from other people. Not because you are better than them, but because you know you are exactly the same as them. Because you know that you are just as much loved as they are, just as much loved as the disciples are. You have something special and your Lord Jesus says, oh, no, 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 you can't put that in your back pocket. You have, you have far, far too much in your possession. Far too many spiritual gifts, far too much spiritual wealth in your coffers. There is no way, no way you could stay silent. I want you to be the witnesses to the grace that has been shown to you. And that's what we do. We're simply witnesses. And I know you're probably thinking, but my story is not that impressive. My story is not one that maybe started with addiction and ended with the grace of God being shown to me and rescuing me from that addiction. My story is not one that, that began with a near-death experience that maybe God used in order to, to help me find my way back to church. No, that's not my story at all. My story is boring. My story is just me being a baby that started at the baptismal font when my parents brought me before the Lord and before the church and said, this child will be marked as a redeemed child of God. That's boring. Does it sound boring in Acts when Jesus talks about it? The power of the Holy Spirit coming down upon an adult baptism or a, a child baptized? Brothers and sisters, I, I do not care what your story was, it is extraordinary because it starts in a cradle, it continues on a cross, and it ends at an empty tomb. That, there's nothing mundane about that at all. You have an extraordinary story to bear witness to because you have seen the full magnitude of Jesus taking the burden off of your shoulders and placing it on to himself. For 33 years, Jesus lived in this world. And he conducted this beautiful and, and perfect ministry. He taught, he proved, and he saved. And then on Ascension Day, he says, you know what? I have more work to do. And so he left, which doesn't exactly sound right. When somebody says, I've got more work to do, it usually doesn't come with them also leaving. But he left so that he could govern his church from on high, so that he could pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. And so maybe when the work seems 
too difficult. When it feels like this is a world that you, you don't have the skills to be a witness to. Maybe we go back and look at our job descriptions again. It is our ascended Savior's job to govern his church, not yours. It is our ascended Savior's job to work all things for the good of those who love him, not yours. It is our ascended Savior's job to melt cold and stony hearts that, that want nothing but, but hatred for God and his church. That's the ascended Savior's job, not yours. Your job is simply to bear witness to the miracles and the marvels that are a Christian life. A life won by the blood of Christ and sustained by the Holy Spirit. Allow Jesus' job on high to be Jesus' job. And just bear witness to the majesty, the miracle, the marvel that is grace shown to you. That's a good division of duties. Amen.